Hey, everybody. Let me welcome you to Compassion Christian. We're so glad to have you with us today on all 10,000 campuses, because let me tell you, if you're watching with us today, you are one of our campuses. And I'm just so thankful that you're acting like a campus of Compassion Christian. Man, I just praise the Lord for how all of our, you know, Compassion Christians are continuing to worship with us every week. You're giving, you know, in ways that keep our church strong in this season of ministry, where honestly, we have more opportunities to serve the poor and the hurting in our world than ever before. Uh, you know, friends, our governor is encouraging uh, the restarting of businesses in our, our state. Uh, and honestly, in the same guidelines that he sent out about restarting, he asked churches like ours not to restart uh, unless we can practice social distancing and it's safe, you know, for the most vulnerable people among us. And friends, you know, our mayor asked us to stay online as well. And can I just tell you honestly, before either one of them asked us to stay online, we had already decided to stay online because that's what love demands of us right now. Now, I miss you and I look forward to the day when we can all get back together and I love you and I know you want to get back together. Uh, but friends, we will get back together as soon as it is safe for the oldest and the most and the youngest of us to do so. But until then, <clears throat> I'm so thankful for the difference that you continue to make by just throwing your heart in the ring every day. Uh, you know, we're trying to call everybody in our church right now. And listen, if we don't have your phone number and email, that makes it very difficult to do so. We're just trying to call everybody and pray for them. Uh, and one of our downtown folks called a number in Bluffton, South Carolina, and the lady answered and said, who are you? She'd never been to our church before, but she had just gotten a new phone. And so they gave her the old number of a compassion Christian and we had it in our file. So we called her up and said, well, we're just calling to pray for everybody. Can we pray for you? And she's like, would you? And so, man, we prayed with her and that kind of started a conversation. And now she's watching our services uh, online. And man, she's gotten into a Zoom group, uh, you know, online Zoom uh, discipleship group with us. And so, man, uh, welcome. If you're watching, we're so glad to have you with us. And can I just say whoever the downtowner was who gave her that call, way to go, man. I'm so thankful that you did. Now, listen, I heard of another lady out in Scriven County. Uh, she is a foster mom for eight kids. And we found out about her out at our Statesboro campus, made contact with her, uh, said, man, we'd love to pray with you and support you a little bit. And she's like, thanks for the prayers. Really appreciate that. But, you know, with the support thing, if that goes away, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, when people find out I got eight kids, very often they get overwhelmed. And so don't worry about it. And let me tell you, our group did not get overwhelmed. They got in gear and then they contacted her and set up a Zoom call so that we could meet her eight kids and pray with her and encourage her. And man, our Statesboro team is continuing to connect with that family and she's just being blessed and we're being blessed to be able to help her through this time as well. And friends, I could just go on and on. I could talk to you about the baptisms that are taking place on every campus, every week, even while we're having online services. Uh, and man, I'm, we, we're baptizing people into Christ who's never been on our campus for a service. Uh, their only con contact with us is online services. But can I just say, man, your prayers, your support, uh, your generous giving continue to enable our church to serve our community and our world uh, during this time when they need it the most. And so thank you, man. Thank you for being the hands and feet and loving heart of Jesus in our community uh, when we need him so desperately. Now, let me just say this too, before we get into the message today, next week is Mother's Day. And man, we're gonna have a special online service to honor the moms, you know, who are doing so much for us right now. Some of doing, you know, school at home right now, and they've never had to do that before. Uh, so we're gonna have a great Mother's Day celebration next week. I hope you'll invite your mom and everybody's mom. And if your mom's 150 years old, 
get her an iPad so she can watch this thing and be a part of our Mother's Day service next week. Now, you remember right after Easter, we launched a series of messages that we're calling the elephant in the room because, you know, uh, we ask you, what do you think are some of the elephants in the room? You know, the stuff that, you know, people want to talk about, but nobody actually talks about it. And so we just thought we'll do a series of sermons and we'll talk about it. And we ask you what you wanted. And man, you gave us all kind of responses. And can I just say thank you? Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, now, we're not going to be able to deal with all the responses we got. And, and let me tell you why. First of all, we've only got three weeks, all right? We're, we've got three weeks, and so we're going to take the top three to five uh, requests and deal with that. Uh, one of the hottest requests was about racism and diversity in the church. And, man, you know that's a value of our church, man. We want our church to look more like heaven every day. Uh, and, and we've already planned a big week on that coming up in the calendar. And so we'll be talking about that soon. On the other hand, some of the issues you wanted to talk about, can I just say, are hard to talk about in isolation, you know, and social distancing requires physical isolation. So we're not addressing some of the questions about sexual purity and gender confusion because we can't meet you down front after the service and talk about it, you know, and answer your questions and, and, and let you hear our heart, you know, as well as our words. Now, in the past, we've addressed both of those issues multiple times. Those messages are all on the website. Let me tell you, the New Testament has not changed. Our position has not changed. You're welcome to go to the website and check that out if you want to you know, hear about it sooner rather than later. But friends, today I want to address a question that always comes up in times like these. And here's the question. Why would a good God even allow a global pandemic? I mean, good night. We've had almost a quarter of a million deaths around the world. You know, over 60,000 in the U.S., over 1,000 here in the state of Georgia. I thought God worked all things out for good. How, could, how does something like this even happen? And can I tell you, that's a really good question. It's kind of like the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And I'm pretty sure that when we try to process that, we think that if I was God, I would make sure that good things always happen to good th people and bad things only happen to really bad people. And of course, I would be one of the good people, right? Now, let me, let me tell you what's wrong with that. When you ask yourself, why do these hard things happen in my life? Do you ever think, well, you know, I've committed a lot of sin in my life. I bet I had that coming. <laughs> do you Ever think like that? No. You know, we typically see ourselves as the good people who are being treated unfairly when things, bad things happen to us. I mean, and, and since we're the good guys and, you know, at least better than the really bad guys, we're tempted to think that when God, who's all powerful, allows bad things to happen in our life, well, man, that's somehow unfair. And can, and can I just tell you, from God's perspective, that thinking is 180 degrees in the wrong direction. I mean, you just couldn't be farther from the truth. And of course, there are preachers, you know, on media like this who will tell you that if you pray just right and if you, you know, live just right and if you give just right, then God will put a bubble around you and nothing bad will ever happen to you again. And I'll show you how to do that. And can I just tell you, those guys are trying to sell you something or they have never read the New Testament. Because if you read the New Testament, you will learn that the worst of things very often happens to the best of people. And let me tell you why that is. Friends, when God made our world, he made it perfect. I mean, nature, relationships, physical bodies, mental health, spiritual health, perfect. All of it. And because we're made in God's image so we could have a relationship with him, like him, he created us with free will. 
which means we have the, the ability to choose right or wrong. Uh, we have the ch- ability to choose to be wise or, listen, foolish. Uh, we can choose to be righteous or we can choose to corrupt things by sin and selfishness. And sadly, you know, the book of Genesis chronicles how men and women chose wrong rather than right. And friends, our, our world has been corrupted by that and it's been, you know, broken ever since. Now, God has a plan to redeem his creation. And that plan was to send Jesus into the world to save the world. I mean, not just men and women, but the whole world, the creation itself. And let me tell you, uh, one day history as we know it will come to a dramatic conclusion and Jesus will return uh, to rule and reign in heaven and on a new earth uh, and make everything right again. I mean, nature, relationships, bodies, spiritual, mental health, everything. But until then, we live in a broken world where sin impacts every person. Sin and the impact of sin impacts every person every day. Now, the ultimate solution for our sin problem is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But friends, the solution for pain in our world is awaiting his return. And right now, we're waiting in a broken world. So as we wait, how do followers of Jesus make sense of the pain uh, that we experience in life that is all ultimately caused by sin? Well, let me show you a, a promise in Romans chapter eight, turning your Bible to Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And I'm gonna show you a promise that will just be a huge source of help to you in the worst of times. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote these words in Romans eight twenty-eight, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, friends, before we go any further uh, in explaining this, let me, let me just share with you the historical setting of this verse. This book, this book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, most scholars think in about 58 AD, right at the zenith of the power of the Roman Empire. Now, when the Roman Empire was really rolling, Christ followers began to be persecuted because following the teachings of Jesus was a counter to that culture. For example, Christ followers would not capitulate to culture. They wouldn't say wrong is right. And let me tell you, intolerant people in that culture hated them for that, which (laughs) sounds a lot like our country, doesn't it? Listen, Christ followers refused to be politically correct and just say, well, all gods are the same. All religions are the same. They wouldn't even pretend to worship the emperor, you know, like everybody else did, which the Romans considered treasonous. Consequently, the church in Rome got hit by a huge wave of persecution. So the Apostle Paul is writing Romans 8 to believers who are suffering. Now, some of them were suffering because life was just hard. You know, many of those believers in Rome were slaves. And I mean, life was just tough for them. Some of them uh, were suffering right then, but all of them would soon be suffering because of the persecution that would be targeted against people who were devoted to Jesus. So this verse was written to encourage people who have either suffered in the past or they're suffering right now, or they could expect to be suffering soon. And man, they want to know why. Well, listen, we're all suffering because of COVID-19 right now. And we kind of want to know why. I mean, we, we know people who have died from COVID-19 and we're grieving with them. Man, we know people who are in the hospital or have lost their jobs or trying to keep a business afloat. Or man, they're suddenly, you know, school at home with a bunch of kids and they're not prepared for that. And listen, we didn't cause any of this to happen. It's just the way of our world. Listen, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 
So if you're suffering today or you know it's on the horizon, Romans 8.28 is going to be good news for you. And I'll tell you, there are a couple of really life-changing learnings in this passage that will help us go through this time and go out the other end stronger. Now, here's number one. When you're suffering, be careful because you're vulnerable to stumbling. Suffering can make you vulnerable to spiritually stumbling. Now, I want to show you an illustration that I've used many times about how Christ followers grow. All right. And here's here's what it looks like. Uh, we've got four circles up here. And this first circle would represent spiritual explorers. All right. Now, these are people who have not given their life to Christ yet. Uh, they don't know the Lord. Uh, they don't have any really religious you know, motivation or pull in their life. Uh, but they are interested. And the Bible says, you know, eternity was written on every person's heart. And so God is constantly trying to draw everybody to himself. And maybe you're watching today because you feel drawn to God during this time of crisis. And if you are, man, praise the Lord. We're so glad that you're with us. And man, we hope you'll stay with us. All right. Now, from this stage, you're going to eventually, you're going to find out about Jesus. And we're going to talk about what he did to forgive the sins of all of us on the cross. And man, our highest hope as a church is that we can help thousands and thousands of spiritual explorers to come to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And man, when that happens, you're going to become a new believer. And when you're a new believer, wow, things start changing in your life. Your position with God changes. You go from outside to inside, right? I mean, now you're a part of God's family. Uh, you declare your faith in Christ. You're baptized into Christ, you know, to show like the death of the old person and the birth of the new person. Man, your sins are forgiven. You receive the Holy Spirit. Man, you begin to think about things differently, which is just awesome, right? And that leads to the next stage, which is when you become a growing believer. Now, growing believers are people who are moving forward in their faith. And it is super important that you move from being a baby believer to a growing believer. We want you to mature. You need to get strong. And so to do that, you start doing things that will make you strong. For example, you'll start reading the Bible every day. Amen. Reading the Bible is like food and it's like bread and meat to a believer. It just makes you strong. And then you're going to pray. Now, friends, every relationship in the world will either prevail or die based on the quality of communication in that relationship. And reading and praying is the way you communicate with God. Prayer is how you talk to God. Reading the Bible is how he talks to you. Now, as that relationship grows, you're going to begin to serve him. Man, you're going to look for ways to use the gifts that he's giving you and the strength that he's giving you to make a difference in this world like he did. And then you're going to start giving. Man, it's, it's just natural. God, God was the giver. And so it's natural for us to give. And we're just going to give time and money and energy and, uh, and enthusiasm you know, to our faith. And then we're going to go on from there and talk about it. I mean, you're going to start talking to your friends. You're going to invite your friends to join us on this online service. Man, you're going to invite them to come when we can finally get together, maybe come to a watch party or come to church with you. But man, talking about your faith, all of these things just make you stronger and stronger and stronger. And friends, I'm telling you, if you continue to do these things, you will become a Christ-centered believer. I mean, when you get to this place, every decision you make for the rest of your life will be filtered through your relationship with Christ. I mean, how you treat people at work, the deals you do and won't do in business. I mean, how you apologize when you do something wrong. Uh, the, the way you think about everything will be affected by your relationship with Christ. Now, you need to know this is our goal for you. This is our goal for every compassion Christian to become a Christ-centered believer. Man, we are praying that one day you will just go through this growth process and you will be super strong and you'll be able to go through times like this. And let me tell you, it won't hit you. And when you die, 
you will not be afraid to face the Lord Jesus. Now, you don't want to die. None of us want to die. But when you die, the, this guy has no fear of the Lord Jesus because his faith is in Christ. He has a strong relationship with Christ. He can't wait to meet Jesus and talk to him to say, thank you for what you did for me here and all the things that happened in his life because he did. Now, friends, <clears throat> you're just going to start saying yes to Jesus when you get to that place. And man, that's going to make all the difference in the world and your life. Now, here's what I've learned. And this is heartbreaking, but some of us, some of us are going to get stalled right here. This is what's going to happen. Something's going to happen that's going to stop this process. And, and you're going to have an ambient, you know, immature, childish knowledge of Jesus. But you're never going to get super deep because something happens right here. And I'll tell you what it is. You're going to get hit by suffering. Uh, you're going to suffer and, 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 and it's going to trip you up. I mean, it might be a divorce. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it, but it happened and it messed your head up, right? And it kind of caused you to drift away from the Lord or an addiction you, that you got yourself into. Or maybe you made some terrible mistake and the, and the shame of it kind of pushed you away from God or you let it push you away from God. And I mean, rather than going to God for help and forgiveness, you just start hiding a little bit. Or maybe it's just a misunderstanding that one conversation could have cleared up, but it won't happen because you either think I can't talk about this or I don't want to talk about it. And so consequently, it just becomes the place where your spiritual growth stopped. And it's heartbreaking that, that an event can cause you to stumble and then stall the development of your faith. Now, Paul is writing this letter to people who are suffering to say, look, we know that in all things, God is going to work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, like Pastor Dave taught us last week, when you're suffering and lots of us are right now, God will protect you from spiritually stumbling if you will focus on his word. So let's drill down on this verse a little bit and let's see, let's see what it doesn't say. And then we'll talk about what it does say. The Bible does not say that generally all things work out for good. It's going to be all good. Friends, that is an over optimistic, positive thinking fairy tale. Suffering is real. The struggle is real. Sin in our world means that sometimes you just have to grapple with the grim reality of your situation. Now, you know, King David wrote in the 23rd Psalm, and I mean, I love this. He said, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I love that verse. It's kept me strong in some horrible times. But look at that verse. He did not say you would never have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He did not say you would never have to face evil. What he said is you don't have to fear when you face death and when you face evil because I will be with you. You will never be alone. Friends, Jesus never promised any of us a trouble-free life. What he did promise, he said, you can be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, friends, Romans 8:28 also does not say that in all things, God works for the good of everybody. Now think about that for a minute. God loves everybody. And God invites everybody, you know, to be a part of his family. But listen, if you get to this place and you say no to God, or you just, oh, I'll think about that later. You just put it off and put it off and put it off. And so you stay stuck here rather than ever entering into God's family. 
Why in the world would you expect God to treat you as a part of his family if you have refused to become a part of his family? Which is why, dude, if you have any interest in giving your life to Christ, get on the chat right now and say, somebody talk to me. Somebody explain how this works. Uh, just tell me, how can I give my life to Christ? Because I'm telling you, God made this promise in Romans 8, 28 is to people who love God and who have been called according to his purpose and have answered that call. And friends, God has never promised to get involved in, the in a redemptive way in the life of anybody who does not love him and has not been called according to his purpose. Now, friends, <clears throat> this is why if you want to get involved with Jesus, man, get on the chat right now. Let's talk about that. But let, let me break this down for you. If you are on this side of the cross right now, and can I just say, thank God you're with us today. We, I believe God has led you to watch this online service so that you could hear this message and realize my next step is to give my life to Christ so I can get in God's family and I can start growing as a part of his family. I just want to encourage you to do something about it today because the moment you do, listen, an umbrella of grace is going to begin to appear over your life. Forgiveness is going to calm your soul. The presence of Christ is going to be a strength to you every day. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do things you were never able to do before. Friends, when you give your life to Jesus, an umbrella of grace is going to cover your life. And I would not want to live in a world as dangerous and as chaotic as our world is without an umbrella of grace to help me face whatever I have to face because sin is such a big part of our world. Now, friends, the promise of Romans 8:28 gives me a sense of confidence and comfort that I would not have if I were not living under this umbrella of God's grace. So if you know giving your life to Jesus is your next move, <laughs> man, you're hesitating for some reason or you're using this crisis as an excuse to not move forward, please change that. Go to the chat right now and just say, how do I do this? How, how do I give my life to Jesus? And let the conversation begin. And then listen, if you, give, if you give your life to Christ, man, we'll meet you at one of our campuses and we'll baptize you as soon as possible. You can invite all your friends as long as it's only 10. <laughs> it's gotta be 10 or less, all right? So pick the 10 you like the best. And man, we'll bring you up here to the church. We'll have your baptism. It'll be all, and listen, you will enter in to the family of God and the promises that we're talking about today will go into effect in your life. Friends, you could go to sleep tonight under the umbrella of God's grace for anything you have to face. And you are one decision away. And I hope you'll get on that. Now, friends, this passage is also not saying that God causes all things. Now, this is what a lot of people think. Uh, when we start suffering, we are tempted to, to cave into some really bad theology. Blame it on God. You know, I like to blame stuff on everybody else anyway, right? But just blame it on God. Like the sovereignty of God means that he causes every bad thing that happens on the earth. Now, look at this verse again. We know that in all things God works. Now, if you take that verse and you think, well, because God is working, then maybe that means God is causing all things. Friends, that is an easy misunderstanding of this passage that will cause you a lot of pain in the future. Now, our God is sovereign. There's no doubt about that. He is the sovereign king of this world. Yes, but a king can be sovereign and rule over his kingdom. But that does not mean he causes everything that happens in that kingdom, nor does he even approve everything that happens in that kingdom. 
You know, the Bible says that God hates hands that shed, shed innocent blood. And let me tell you, in America, because of abortion, that happens every single day. Uh, the Bible says God hates divorce. Now, he doesn't hate divorced people, but he hates the pain and the agony and the family disruption that divorce causes. God hates bickering. God hates injustice. Now, when these things occur and we say, well, I guess it's just God's will, we're contradicting what God has clearly said in his word. Now, you know, I've had a number of people, good friends, who are diagnosed with cancer. Now, Sarah and I have been through that. She had cancer. And one of the questions that you will be tempted to ask, not tempted, you will ask, do you think God gave me cancer? Let me tell you what I think the answer to that is. No, no, I do not believe God gives you cancer. I believe God walks with his people through cancer, but I don't believe God gives cancer to the people he loves. And so the next question will be then, well, why me? Why is this happening to me? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why there is so much suffering in our world. Now, occasionally, the Bible says some distress does come from God. Now, in the Old Testament, you know, God sent 10 miserable plagues against the Egyptian empire, you know, to motivate them to repent of the horrible injustice of enslaving the Hebrew people and then liberate them. Now, let me tell you, there was a huge kingdom issue in play here. God was liberating millions of Jewish slaves through whom generations later, you know, he would bring Jesus into the world. And so God used suffering to bring an end to that systemic injustice. Friends, God does sometimes send pain, painful experiences to warn us, you know, when we're out in the weeds somewhere, but also to strengthen us, strengthen the people he loves. You know, in Hebrews 12, it says, God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Listen, that's why parents discipline their children so that they'll become holy, they'll become mature and wise and strong. He goes on to say, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Now listen, you ask anybody you admire, when in your life did you learn and grow the most? And you know what they'll tell you? They'll tell you about a hard time they went through and what they learned as they went through it because God can use hardship to make us strong and mature. Let me tell you, suffering is also often the result of our own sin. Now, this is the one we want to talk about the least, but we bring a lot of suffering on ourselves. You know, the Bible says, you be sure this, your sin will find you out. And I'm telling you, that is absolutely true. If you overeat, you're going to suffer health problems. If you steal, you're going to have problems with the law. If you lie or compromise, you know what? You're going to lose people's respect. If you're sexually promiscuous, you're going to suffer because of that. Uh, eventually, I mean, in relationships, in marriage, it'll lead to divorce. It can lead to disease. It certainly leads to a loss of self-respect. And listen, these are all predictable consequences of our own sinful choices. The Bible goes on to say some suffering is a result of the sin of other people. You remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph was a righteous young man who was sold by his hateful brothers into slavery to a bunch of human traffickers who took him as a slave to Egypt. And he suffered all kinds of stuff for a long time, not because of anything he had done, but because of other people's sin. Listen, a mugger attacked my son Garrett in downtown Savannah and could have killed him the week he was getting married and probably would have if Garrett hadn't beat the guy up. I mean, a drunk driver veers into your lane. You know, your parents are addicted or abusive. Your mate is unfaithful. You didn't do any of that. You're suffering because of the sin of other folks. Some suffering, the Bible says, is a result of attacks by Satan. 
Now, if you've ever read the book of Job in the Old Testament, here's a righteous man who goes bankrupt. His family is destroyed. His health broke. And it wasn't his sin. And it wasn't the sin of other people. And it wasn't God causing this to happen. Job was a righteous man and Satan hated him for it and attacked him because of it. But you read all the way through that book. And in the last chapter, we learned that God was near for Job. God was close to Job all through that suffering. And God continued to bless Job in the midst of that suffering and through that suffering. And eventually he restored everything to Job. What Satan meant to discourage Job, what Satan hoped, you know, would be evil in his life. God flipped over and used it for good. But friends, I believe most of the suffering we encounter in this world is simply because we live in a fallen world. Now, listen, this is why my godly, kind Sarah got cancer, because when Adam and Eve sinned, they introduced a sin virus into our world that has corrupted everything. And friends, ever since that time, our world has been broken and just out of phase. I mean, even nature, even human DNA is affected by the global impact of that sin long ago. I mean, look at Romans 8, look up at verse 22. Look at verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. I mean, Paul's saying nature, the creation, the cosmos is all out of sync because of sin. Now, I don't think it's God's will for a young mom to get cancer. I think that happens because we live in a fallen, broken world where people get sick and rare viruses sweep across the world, leaving destruction in its wake. Now, I believe God will work in that horrible suffering and make us stronger and more spiritually mature than we would have been otherwise. But I, I certainly think he did that for Sarah. He worked in her cancer for good, but I don't think he caused it. You know, Bob Benson has written a book entitled See You at the House, and he uh, talks about a conversation he had with a buddy of his named W.T. who had had a heart attack. And so uh, Bob asked W.T., so uh, W.T., how'd you like that heart attack? And he's like, dude, it scared me almost to death. He said, would you like to have another one? He's like, no, 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 no. He said, would you recommend it to anybody else? Of course not. That was horrible. He said, W.T., does your life mean more to you now than it did before? He said, yes, it does. He said, you and Nell have always had a beautiful marriage, but let me ask you this. Does your marriage mean more to you now? Are you closer now than ever before? Absolutely. No question about it. Much closer. How about that new granddaughter of yours, WT? Do you hold her a little tighter now after this heart attack? He said, you better believe it. He said, do you have more compassion for people? I mean, are you more empathetic to folks who are suffering now than you were before the heart attack? He said, you know, I really am. I've been through it and I know what they're going through now. And so Bob says, so WT, how'd you like that heart attack? Now, you know, neither Bob Benson nor I would recommend that you go out and have a heart attack so you'll be more compassionate and, and value life more. But the truth is God works in all things. You know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Friends, listen, when you're suffering, there can be a blessing in the process of suffering. I mean, sometimes good shines out brighter because the world is so dark. So spiritually and mentally and emotionally, let's be careful. Friends, suffering can cause you to spiritually stumble. It doesn't have to. It it shouldn't. Listen, suffering could be a servant that God uses to make you stronger and brings you even closer to the Lord. But there's one more word from Paul in this passage that I, I think he would want us to understand. And that is, man, when you're suffering, studying the scripture will make you stable. 
When you're suffering, studying God's word will make you stable. Now we learned this uh, back in our Anxious for Nothing series, but there's another verse here in Romans chapter eight that I think encourages us to think deeply when we're suffering deeply. Look at verse 18, Romans 8, 18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now this word consider comes from the Greek word logizomai, which we studied back in our Anxious for Nothing series. And it's the, it's the Greek word that we get the English word logic from. So Paul is telling these Christ followers who are suffering in Rome, man, when you're suffering, one way through is to think your way through. Don't stop thinking, right? Suffering is an intense emotional, spiritual experience, no doubt about it. But in a way, it's kind of a math problem. You know, uh, Paul says, look, when I'm suffering, uh, and Paul suffered quite a bit. You know, he went through persecution because of his faith. Uh, he went through satanic attack. He made some bad decisions that caused him to get sideways with his friends sometime. Uh, then he had some random stuff happen. He went through a couple shipwrecks, got snake bit, uh, went through earthquakes, stuff like that. So he understood suffering. But Paul says, you know, when I'm suffering for me, it's a math problem. Now, not everybody's personality works that way, but apparently his did. And, and so do some of ours. You can think of suffering like a math problem. Let's just say that on May the 1st, you get infected with COVID-19 and you go into the hospital and you're there for three weeks fighting for your life. And by God's grace, you recover and they check you out of the hospital. And on the way home, bam, you get rear ended and somebody totals your car and you're in a terrible car wreck. And then when you get out of the hospital, man, you get a call from your accountant who says your investments are upside down. They've taken a terrible nosedive. And then you find out your business partner has betrayed you and you lose your business. And you're just thinking, oh my, what? I, you know, from start to finish, May has been the worst month of my life. But then let's say for the next 11 months, it's like this. It just keeps getting better and better and better. You know, you, you, you know, a little bit of time goes by and your dad calls you and says, hey, you're not gonna believe this. I've come into some money. I wanna give you and your wife $10 million. And then you use that money to start a new business and it just takes off. And now it's the job of your dreams. And then after years of infertility, your wife is expecting a baby and you have this healthy, bouncing little boy and your wife just insists that y'all name him after you. And then the opportunity comes up for you to play golf with Tiger Woods at Pebble Beach and you beat him. And then your marriage is better than ever and your health is now so solid that you take this wonderful long vacation, spend some of that 10 million bucks on it, right? and your health is great, then everything is just wonderful for the next 11 months. And then on May the 1st next year, a buddy of yours says, hey, how was 2020 for you? You're gonna just instinctively say, it's the best year of my life. And then your friend's gonna say, wait a minute, I thought you got COVID-19 last May. Didn't you go through a hard time? And you're gonna say, well, yeah, you know, I did. I went through a really hard time, but, but in the context of the next 11 months, I gotta be honest with you, I can barely remember last May because everything since then has been so amazing. Now friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what eternity is gonna be like for you. That's gonna be your experience, which is not to deny the pain and the suffering that we're having right now, but listen, if you live to be 90 years old and you are in a wheelchair every day of your life suffering from chronic, chronic pain and suffering every day. When you go to heaven because of what Jesus did for you, 
man, when you go to heaven and you spend that first 10,000 years of joy and love and blessing and peace, you know, and knowing that you have an infinite number of years in the future, if somebody were to come to you and say, man, how's your life been? You would just instinctively say, it's been amazing. It's been awesome. And then they say, wait a minute, you and I went to Compassion Christian together. Weren't you in a wheelchair? I mean, didn't you have a really hard time there? And you would say, well, you know what? I did. Life on earth was really hard for me. But when I put it into context and I compare it with what life has been like for me here in eternity with God's goodness and blessing and love in my life every day, those few bad days are not even worth comparing to what I've experienced here with the Lord. And so friends, we're all gonna endure some suffering. Now listen, our sin has broken this world and it's broken my world. But if you're aware of what God's word says is waiting for you in heaven, that should be a stabilizing force for you. You know, the same guy who wrote Romans 8 also wrote to a church in Corinth, which is also in, in the nation of Greece. And Paul said, in our light and momentary troubles, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Consequently, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the suffering of this present day, but on what is unseen, the glory that's to come. For what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Now friends, we're going through a tough time, no doubt about it. But focusing on God's word, the promises of God's word will keep us in an eternal perspective and give us peace and stability and hope, even in hard times like this. We're gonna get through this time. Even on earth, we're gonna get through this. But what awaits every one of us in heaven is gonna be unbelievably better. So as I end this message today, uh, you know, we're gonna share some discussion questions with you just to kind of keep this conversation going. And I hope you'll sit right there with the folks that you're watching this service with and just ask them these questions. And you know, Ken's gonna help us with that in just a minute. But before we go, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for every one of us who's suffering today. Man, this is your church. You're among friends here. Go to the chat right now and just say, you know what, I'm struggling. If you just type, I'm struggling, somebody will come on and pray with you by name right now. Because friends, struggling is okay. We're all struggling. We're all going to struggle, but prayer will keep you from stumbling. So you can hit the prayer button right on the bottom right-hand side of your screen. And let me tell you, somebody will take you to a private chat room if you wanna share a little bit more information and we'll pray specifically for what's going on in your life. But you know, friend, the hardest thing people ever have to do is ask for help. That's the hardest thing. And prayer is one way that you can ask for God's help. And we'd love to pray with you right now. So let me pray for you. Uh, and then we'll go to Ken and we'll talk about those discussion questions. Father, thank you for this time we've had today to unpack Romans 8:28. This verse is like a mountain peak in the scripture. It is a promise for those of us who are in Christ that means the world to us. It's changed everything for us. It changes the way we look at suffering because we know what's ahead of us. And so Father, I just pray today that you, will, that you will work all of the hard things that are happening during this coronavirus thing. Work all this for good. Help your church to grow stronger. Help people to be wiser. Help us, Lord, to have a, a closer relationship with you and a stronger sense of connection with you. I pray, God, that you would draw people to yourself, that there will be people who will decide today, you know what, I want a relationship with Jesus and they will give their lives to Christ today. And Father, when we celebrate their baptism and celebrate having them as part of our family, we know you'll, be, you'll get glory from that 
and they'll be blessed. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what a great message. What a challenging time. And I can't tell you how thankful we are that you guys joined us. And as we close, I want to ask you a couple of questions. In the past, how have you explained the suffering that you see in the world? I mean, how have you thought about that or explained it? Because the world doesn't have an answer to our suffering. And so maybe there's a step you can take to, I don't know if you'll find the answer, but find some peace in the midst of that struggle. The second question is, have you ever been through a time of suffering that caused you to stumble in your faith? You know, if you think back to the first century followers of Jesus, all of them were unbelievers. They were people who had questions and doubt and didn't really understand this love and hope that Jesus was talking about. In fact, it wasn't until the end of his ministry, the people who actually touched him and heard him and spent time with him, it wasn't until then that they actually came to a full-blown faith. And here's why that was good news for me. When I had questions and doubts, when I was marching to the beat of my own drum, I was invited to follow Jesus. And that's true of you as well. With questions, doubts, not being perfect, we were invited to follow Jesus. And as we've gone through this series, our hope for you who are followers of Jesus has been that you would lean into these teachings, into the wisdom of these teachings, and that you would begin to reflect the one that you claim to follow. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, our hope is that you have leaned into these teachings and that you would understand that regardless of where you are, regardless of your lifestyle or where you've been or what you've done, regardless of where you are in your obedience, and even regardless of where you are in your knowledge or even your faith, that you would understand you've been invited to follow Jesus. You have been invited into a relationship with him because of his willing choice to give his life for you. We want you to know that we stand ready to talk with you about these questions or any other questions that you might have. We're ready to pray with you about any need that you might have. And we hope you'll take that step. As we close, I wanna pray with you right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for the chance that we have to know you, the, the opportunity that you give us because of Jesus to be in a relationship with you. And I thank you for a message that has challenged us, Father, to take a step to know you in a deeper way. And I pray for those people who maybe have never ever walked into a relationship with you, the people who are looking, who are searching, that today they would take that first step. We love you and we thank you for this opportunity to worship. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. Friends, thanks for being here. I don't want you to forget to connect to our campus Facebook groups because we want to connect with you. We want you to know that we have enjoyed being with you today and we can't wait to see you next week as God continues to write the story of the church.